It's What's Next with Peter Buffett. I'm Jimmy Buff. And What's Next is James Lacine. He is the star of The Absolute Brightness of Leonard Pelkey. He wrote the show, too. Uh, James won an Academy Award for a screenplay to uh, short film Trevor. I, mean, I, I don't know if technically he won the award, but the film did, and he wrote the screenplay. He's written a few books. He's uh, got a uh, play now that has been in New York to rave reviews and just finished in L.A. called The Absolute Brightness of Leonard Pelkey. And uh, he'll tell us more about all that. James. Oh, it's you. Hey, Peter. <laughs> Hi, how are you doing? I'm wonderful. Uh, happy to be here amongst my people. Yes, excellent. Uh, well, okay, so we're just going to have a little conversation today um, about your wonderfulness and and how you <laughs> and, uh, and how you uh do what you do in the world and and uh, really i guess more importantly um how it affects uh the audience i guess to some extent but also you um and what i mean by that is that uh i unfortunately have not seen your fantastic amazing show i've just read glowing reviews from coast to coast uh mm. but jennifer has and uh was incredibly moved by it and um first of all for the listener could you explain a little bit about the show and and uh, your approach uh, in telling a story yeah sure um so you know um, in 2007, I wrote a young adult novel called Absolute Brightness, right. and it's the story of a 14-year-old boy named Leonard Pelkey who disappears from a small New Jersey town. And, you know, it's really, I mean, the book is really was a, written as a way of encouraging young people to really express themselves and be themselves and and also making them a little bit aware of, like, some of the dangers that might be out there um, for young people who decide to actually be their full authentic selves. Like it's a, it can be a scary time for young people if they're not being properly looked after. So, you know, that book came out, it did its thing. And then, I don't know, you know, then everything changed in the world. Um, Conversations about bullying, um, you know, the, it gets better campaign, and certainly my work with the Trevor Project, which, you know, is a, it's a suicide prevention and crisis intervention lifeline for LGBT and questioning teens. So that sort of took, really took off after 15 years. It just became really an important um, go-to for young people. And I really wanted to have this conversation with adults about what they could do to sort of just protect young people and what's their responsibility in encouraging young people to be themselves. Like how do we encourage young people to be themselves and yet still protect them? So that was really why I decided to turn it into a one person show was because um, <laughs> for one thing, it's easy to travel with. Right. <laughs> uh, the cast parties are manageable. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, you know, it, it also, uh, in terms of what I do, it just engages the audience's imagination because it's really just between me and them. Right. And I kind of fire up their brains is the way I think of it. Like I like to think of it as I give them the prompt to be able to um, 
become the best set designers and the best costume designers and and also imagine the town and imagine, you know, aspects of the story that don't make it onto the stage but are certainly, um, like, they can see it in their mind. Right. So that's that was really the trajectory of that story. So I I have to ask uh, you are um, bringing forth imagination in the audience right by by playing uh these various characters uh and at the same time I wonder if you're sparking something in them when they see a single person uh become so many different people do you think that speaks to something deep inside all of us that we are many different people and, and you actually bring it to life? Well, you know, that's, that's, that's my secret goal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> uh, you, you hit it right on that, uh, the head, which is, you know, I just feel like, um, you know, one of the things that I try to do in the show is to just by embodying all these different people is to just say like to the audience, in a very subtle way, like we have all these parts and pieces within us, Mm -hmm. you know, that we're not just one thing that we are made up of many different aspects. And, um, you know, depending on the circumstances, we reveal those aspects to each other. Right. right? And, um, so interestingly enough with this particular show, Leonard Pelkey, he does, he never shows up on the stage. He's not in the show, but he's so vividly described that often the audience goes away with a, the clearest idea of, of the, or the clearest character that they go um, away with is, is him. Wow. You know, he's the one that's touched them the most, or at least from, from all reports. <laughs> right. That's powerful. I mean, to think that through this multidimensional, um, you know, character illumination without the character actually being there, uh, that that's what, what people feel there. There's something that that's extraordinary. Congratulations on, on Thank you. being able to do that because again, you know, I'm struck by this desire for authenticity, right? We, we all want to be authentic. The culture we're in slowly, dampens, you know, mostly through kind of fear, I guess, mm. of, of being shamed or or not fitting in or, you know, the various versions of that, you know, keep us from authentic, authenticity. And then here you are, you know, giving the play mostly to adults, I would assume, um, who were all kids once, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so... I, I don't even know what I'm really asking, but just kind of wanting to talk about... Well, you know, I think that one of the things that I... I feel like where the sort of... The, the conversation about LGBT and everybody else, where they, where the, where they meet, mm-hmm. is that I think every person who grew up in this culture actually reaches a point in which they're told to tone it down or right. to you know, turn it off Mm -hmm. or to Mm -hmm. like, you'll, you'll do better to be something other than yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, as if such a thing is possible, right. You know, like you, you can't really be anything than yourself. And yet, (laughs) you know, our, you know, I, I just know for me, my family, my school, my, you know, my 
religious upbringing. Everyone was trying to get me to be something else, and it just didn't take. <laughs> Thank uh, goodness. <laughs> well, yeah, but, you know, I see yep. young people, and I talk to them all the time, and they're really struggling with this, you know, this need to be able to be something or to become something. Um, and and I think one of the great things about young people is they're, you know, they're they're just in they're they just have to be themselves. Right. I mean, they're just life personified. I mean, it's just life force coming through. And like you said, then the culture uh, and and this is, I think, a, a, a somewhat relatively new phenomenon. It depends on which culture you come from. But, you know, the idea that school, for instance, is this limiting force uh, mm. that is really um, sort of teaching to the last paradigm. So in other words, to go to school to become what we've what we need you to be, yeah. uh, you know, based on something actually that started in the 19th century uh, with with wage labor and, you know, all these different uh, ways of being. I don't even know how to describe it because it's so ingrained, I guess, is why it's hard to describe. And religion, of course, before that. And, and these things that sort of square off this otherwise robust and, and life-giving thing that we all are. And so complex. I mean, it's such a complex thing, the human being. And I think, you know, part of it is that these institutions, these systems, they really want to, they want, they really want to simplify. They want to, I mean, one of the things I find most exciting within, especially within the, I even hate to call it the LGBT because it's really within the queer young community is their denial. They just do not want to be boxed in. Right. They don't want to be, they really believe in this thing called intersectionality, Mm -hmm. which is like, I am not a gay person. Like I'm also, you know, I'm also black. I'm also homeless. I'm also, you know, I going to college. Like I'm many things. I'm not just that one thing and I don't want to be put into a box. And, you know, they're challenging even our ideas of, of what it means to be, you know, queer. And I think that that's really their job. If yep. we listen, you know, if we listen. Yeah, I mean, you're you're making me think that uh, that uh, you know, art is the supposedly you know kind of the visionary form, right? It, it either reflects mm-hmm. it reflects back what's going on, or it points a way towards something new. And and art in in a lot of ways now has been commodified, and everyone's looking for sponsorship and all these various things, and it, it's chasing the same thing that most other uh, people end up having to chase as well. And you're making me feel that that actually uh, kids specifically kind of on the edges of what would be considered okay, that's the art. <laughs> they are art. Um, they are the expression of, of what's coming, you know, what's real, what's what's uh, needs to be reflected back to society. Well, you know, the thing I always say to people is if you want to spend some time in the future, Really just sit down and talk to a young person. Yeah. Right. Really, just like sit down and let them talk to you and don't tell them, you know, what advice you have for them. <laughs> right. <laughs> or like, because I think of myself when I was 14, 15 years old, I knew that they were telling, what they were telling me was not true about the world. I knew that homosexuality was not a crime. I knew it wasn't a sin and I knew it wasn't a mental disease right. because it was, because it was me. Yeah. And I would have to admit that I was crazy 
you know, sinful and, and a criminal. And as fun as that might have been to think that when I was that age, <laughs> I just, I, in my heart of hearts, I knew it wasn't true. Yeah. So, I, you know, it took a long time for that to come around. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I just think to myself, when I talk to these young people, I think, what is it you know that I don't know? I'm not because I'm not in the future. You right. are. Yes. And art, it, to me, is, you know, the place where the, you know, the past and the future and, and, and the present kind of all meet in this beautiful, sometimes, you know, when, mm-hmm. it, when it really works. Mm-hmm. It's where they, all three of those things meet. Perfectly said. That that is uh, uh, so great. Um, <laughs> sorry, I mean, I'm I just <laughs> think that art. You know, I, I, my job is more. I, I don't mean to sound overly. You know, I don't mean to inflate it or to sound pretentious. But I think of myself as more of a shaman than I do as as a um, you know as an entertainer. Sure. You know, like my yeah. job is to really stir up people's emotions and to move them, literally move them yes. into action somehow to get them to just not only, you know, move them in their seats, but to once they're out of their seats, to move them into some, to do something. Right. Um, and by the way, one of the, my favorite things in the world to do with this show is actually doing it for young people. They are so amazing. It's almost like it was made for them. Right. Um, you know, the 15, 16, 17-year-olds that, like, they're like, oh, my God. Because they really, they hear it. They hear, you know, they hear the both the, the joy and the hope in it, and they also hear the caution and uh, the difficulty. Right, right. And, and you really are, uh, in that shamanistic way, bringing something that is in the spirit world, you know, the, the idea of possibility and 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 the unknown but but a life force into the room through a variety of characters which does show the complexity in all of us um, and that changes the vibration that's all there is to it well you know when we feel something when we're moved it's it's shifting us in some way that can last forever essentially and you never know i mean i think for me one of the things that you just never know where something's going to lead right like 20 years ago i did a solo show um that Eve Ensler directed and Mike Nichols produced off Broadway. And in that show was a, was a, a small 10 minute piece, not even 10 minutes of a story of a 13 year old boy named Trevor, um, who, you know, it was very funny and poignant and he realizes he's gay and decides it would be better for everyone if he's not around. And he tries to kill himself. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately he doesn't go through with it. Um, but that story got turned into a film, a short film mm-hmm. uh, called Trevor, which won an Academy Award in 95. And, uh, and then, it, it, you know, the producers and myself, we, we turned it into the Trevor Project. Um, we just felt that there was, there was a need for young people out there since they were in such danger of, of killing themselves that we created the Trevor Project, which is that... 24-hour suicide prevention, lifeline, and crisis interventions. Um, and, you know, that that it should start from a story Right, really changed my life. It made me understand the far-reaching effects that art can have, mm-hmm. but also the power of a story, how it goes out into the world like this little, 
I don't know, like a little satellite, you know, just carrying some truth. Right. And it just keeps going further and further through time and space with, without you pushing it. It just right. goes on its own. Yeah. Um, that to me is amazing. Yeah. I mean, we are meaning making machines, right? I mean, we need mm-hmm. to every so day, beautiful. every minute we walk in the world, we, and, and a lot of things, I think for simplicity's sake, because there is so much information coming at us, we want meaning fast. And so we kind of go to the lowest common denominator, which is where the trouble lies, you know, because it is always more complex. Everything is. And, um, and so I'm going to put that on my business card, James Lassine, meaning making machine. Perfect. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it even rhymes, which is pretty spectacular. <laughs> um, you know, but it is, it story is everything. And, uh, you know, to find that little piece of the narrative back, uh, when you were doing that play and then having that move forward because of the truth that it carried and then be able to to literally save lives by creating uh, a, a project that will allow people essentially, probably, mostly to tell their story in some way, right? To feel like someone's listening yeah. and they get, yeah. they, they are heard, they matter. Um, it, I, I have to ask, and we don't have very much time left. I can't believe how fast this went. Um, but you, I, I, you know, still today, I'm sure it happens, but there were times in your life when you had to find it in yourself to say, I am not what people are saying uh, is true or, or you <laughs> I know. still have to do that, by the way. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> you know, not over. <laughs> and, and maybe that's true for all of us in some way is how uh, how do we get through that moment of fear when we're thinking, oh, we're not enough. We're not fitting in. We're not right. We're, uh, you know, that, that is the story of the Trevor project and is, is giving kids that sense of no, actually you are, you belong, you're important, you matter. uh, We need you in this world. Um, What's the voice in you in this last few minutes, you can (laughs) drop the ultimate, uh, you know, I think that yeah, it, it, the, actually the statistics um, around the Trevor Project actually say it best, which is, you know, for a young person, having one person in their environment who uh, listens to them right. actually reduces their chances of uh, a suicide attempt, like, by nine times. Wow. Yeah. So I think it's true for adults, too. And I think the thing that helps uh, get me through are the people that hold me in place around me in those moments when I start to, you know, shudder and shake Mm -hmm. and, and question myself is that there are people in my environment who actually can see me because they love me and say, no, you're, you're good. You're, you're not who they say you are, or you're not, you don't need to be anything other than who you are. And I think that's like one of the greatest gifts that we can give another human being is to just simply listen to them and see them Clearly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my my partner in, in music, uh, no matter where we are at the Starbucks counter, in the cab, uh, in China, in anywhere, will first say, uh, what's your name? And then spell it back to them and then speak to them and listen to them, more importantly, mm-hmm. using their name and, and mm-hmm. in gratitude for whatever they might be doing. And wow. uh, it's, so it's exactly right. And it's simple. And anyone uh, listening at any time, uh, if you can remember to uh, look somebody in the eye uh, so they feel seen, 
uh, say their name or just express gratitude for what they might be doing. Uh, just just to be present. Just to be present. And you might ask, how are you? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how, how are you, really? Yeah. Just that alone actually can open up the heart. And, um, you know, it, it, I, to me, it's the highway, yes. you know, between people. Yep, exactly. Maybe you can actually leave us with the story I'm now remembering when you were at the checkout line at Best Buy or something. And, and <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean the, the three times rule? Yes, exactly. Oh yeah, yeah. I um, I asked this woman um, at the checkout counter uh, about her Thanksgiving, and she was like, "It was fine." And I said, "No, really, how was it?" And she went, "It was all right." And then I asked her the third time, and she was she said, <laughs> "My mother." deep fried the chicken, the turkey. And, uh, and then if she like opened up, she right. started telling me about like this crazy, like how her mother had came up with this crazy idea to deep fry the turkey this year for, uh, for Thanksgiving and what a nightmare it was. And so we, we just came up with the three times rule, which is like ask once, ask twice, but the third time they know you're really interested. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. And you might learn how to deep fry a turkey. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Excellent. Uh, well, before I deep fry myself, um, <laughs> uh, I will say thank you so much for what you're doing. You are um, changing lives, and and you you can't have a more purposeful life on this planet than to be yourself and to bring that to others. And so, thank you. That's writer, actor, storyteller James Lacine. L e c e s n e. Go to jameslacine.com for more information about him. It's What's Next with Peter Buffett. I'm Jimmy Buff, and that does it for this program. For more shows, go to wherever fine podcasts are found. The music for the show is original and available at peterbuffett.com. I'm Jimmy Buff. See you next time. Bye.